Nothing compares. Nothing compares to you. I wasn't done yet. I you wasn't done yet, <laughs> Matthew. Sorry. Wait, yeah. wait for it. Wait for slower it. release. Oh. Welcome to Men's Junk. Discussing fringe male topics seldom talked about for the betterment of everyone. Today, we are talking about and revisiting NoFap. I'm going to go over some of my own personal experiences as well as Matthew here. Uh, welcome. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm ridiculous and should have introduced you to everyone. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I got really excited. It's been a really yes, rambunctious week. Yes. And we've had weird energy this morning, too, knowing that we're going to be talking about... I, I, need, I just need to calm down, Matthew. <laughs> Feeling really anxious right now. <laughs> That's okay. You self-soothe. I'm, I'm going to self-soothe till I feel better. And then I'm going to feel nothing. It's going to be great. Are, are you bleeding? Hey, pe- some people are into different things, okay? <laughs> this is true. No some judgment Some people here. are into different things. It's a no judgment zone. We would like to add a quick word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. H-E-L-P. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? A few years ago during COVID, I had a really hard time and I reached out to a therapist and it made a really positive change in my life. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and even send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. From here at www.betterhelp.com slash reviews and visit betterhelp.com slash mensjunk and join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And as a bonus, Men's Junk listeners will receive 10% off their first month. Thank you, BetterHelp. And now back to the podcast. So we're talking about NoFap. Now, to be honest, I think I've been pretty excited to talk about this. It's just this. Yeah, me too. I, I want to make all these sexual innuendos and I'm going to try to hold back as best that I can. Well, well it's interesting because I, I think because as a society, we have such a hard time talking about sex honestly, that one of our defaults is to just joke about it as we've been doing. Wow. It makes it feel I kind feel, of safer to talk about. I feel very called out right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was calling out myself I, too. I, I just want to make jokes about this. <laughs> I go into therapist mode. It's like, hmm, are you not feeling totally safe? This is totally not impacting my like personal well-being at all. Everything is fine. Let's just keep it surface. <laughs> yeah, I'm a man. I don't have emotions. Mm. Okay. So we, we don't do that here. Right. Um, well, this will be easy to talk about then. Because I go to work and then I watch TV and then I self-soothe and then I feel better. And, as you know, society tells me that if I make money, then everything will be okay. That's how it works, right? Yes. 
Okay, good. Just checking. So, quick little redefinition if you haven't heard of NoFap and the fact that we were clapping our hands. It's NoFap is a, I want to call it a movement at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a sec, yeah, yeah. Because I was blown away by this, but yeah, mention how many people are now on the Reddit. But So, NoFap is a movement that began a long time ago in a land before time. And basically, it was a group that was started up on Reddit to stop watching porn and masturbating. So NoFap literally is that. Like, just you're not going to watch porn and you're not going to masturbate. But why, Seb? Because basically, oh, this is a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> because everything, people figured that it actually started out a long time ago. There was a study done which showed that if people refrain from uh, masturbating, they would increase their testosterone levels. So there is a perceivable benefit for some people in terms of their energy levels and productivity. But there's also like a more destructive side, like in terms of where porn can be quite dysfunctional. So mm. it's both uh, providing a therapeutic benefit for people's lives and also removing something that possibly can be thwarting their positive progress. So I think it's a little bit of like six to one, half a dozen to the other. So, you know, it's not really a simple question. One thing we wanted to talk about, though, before we even like got into the whole thing, and I, I think these are really important questions for individuals to ask themselves before they even listen to this topic, is talking about why people have problems with porn. Right. Uh, which is discussing things like, do you have underlying depression? Do you have underlying anxiety? I mean, you is probably it due have... to religious beliefs around sex and sexuality? Is it that your partner has issues with your porn use? Um, yeah, kind of honestly asking yourself, what's motivating you to even examine this? Exactly. And I wanted to pick your brain a little bit, Matthew, because sure. being a therapist, you, you're telling me that when you have someone that comes into your office and they have issues with this, this is something that you've kind of have to parse through. Absolutely. Because they'll come to session and and kind of right off the hop, you know, if, if they're feeling comfortable enough to do so, talk about uh, their struggles with, you know, chronic porn use or chronic hooking up. But to me, that then begs the question, well, what's contributing to that? What A, what's making you think that that might be problematic mm -hmm. for you or, totally. or a struggle for you? And B, like, w what's going on underneath that? Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, is it another mental health issue? Is it around shame around sex? Is it around just a misalignment between you and your partner around sex? Yeah. What's contributing to it? And sometimes that can take a couple of sessions just to figure out if even uh, sex and porn is the the thing that needs mm -hmm. to be mostly talked about. It's complicated because it's, it's almost as if there's two epidemics happening at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So what we we're mentioning, that Reddit group, that movement, had started out when, when we made our first episode about this, it had 400,000 users and now it's eclipsed 1 million. Yeah, which is wild that in a few years it's grown that much. So then the debate becomes, is it an anxiety depression issue or is it a porn issue or is it a societal issue of, yeah. you know, most people who have, okay, I don't want to say most people, but a lot of people who have issues with porn were raised in fundamentalist religious yeah. beliefs that attach shame and guilt to pornography use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was mentioning to Seb before we started uh, recording that 
there's in- interesting research on who is it that's coming into therapy for sex or porn addiction. And mm-hmm. it's disproportionately people from pretty conservative religious backgrounds where there is a lot of shame around sex and talking about sex. And whenever you have shame around an issue, it tends to lead to this kind of secretive compulsive behavior. So is it the shame that's actually fueling the behavior? It's really tricky. I I felt really called out when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) I remember you you mentioning it on the ride here and and I, I thought to myself, it's okay. So I can I just ask you something? Like yeah. since we're here, and I'm sure some other people are are going to be asking the same question: Is the shame that is rooted in a belief system we were taught as children? Is it something that someone can actually overcome? Because I'm tangling with this personally, and I and I think that I sometimes feel like as though it's impossible to overcome. Mm-hmm. You're feeling really discouraged with it. Well, well, basically, when I was young, we're going to go into our stories really briefly here because we want to connect with you and say, "Hey, like we're we've had our journeys too." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a glorified angel with a halo on my head. In fact, yeah. quite opposite to the last time I did a podcast, I'm, I'm literally in the bubble, which you could describe later. Yeah. You know, when I started out, it, it was anytime I even had a dirty thought. I'd go to confession and I would confess it. And to just the, the way priest. you framed it there, a dirty thought. Whereas like <laughs> where, well, and I know that like yeah, you're saying it kind of tongue in cheek, but, no, but, but still really that like, no. yeah, it's a dirty thought. It's like, well, is it a dirty thought for an adolescent to be thinking about sex? Oh. No, yeah. News yeah, at eleven. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a dirty thought. Go to your room, Seb. <laughs> Don't look at your phone. Don't turn on your computer. Don't think. It's weird. So that's my question is, do you think that is something that someone could legitimately overcome the shame and guilt around masturbation and sex in general? Yes. A very. I know I said that very definitively. Yes. Whoa, because because I've seen it because I've I've witnessed it. I've overcome. I, I, and when I say yes, okay, is it a hundred percent thing? It's like, well, do we ever a hundred percent overcome anything in our lives? But I've seen people transform their relationships to uh, sex and porn and dating and really? all of that. So, yeah, I I fully believe that the more that you're aware of it and the more that you're actively challenging those narratives of guilt and shame. Absolutely, you can have a different relationship okay. with it. It's, it's interesting, yeah. Because okay, so I want to I want to revisit that in a second. I wanted to talk about where I'm at right now because we're literally making a whole video or a podcast on porn today. I would be in the middle of a bubble right now. Last time I was doing a a, a podcast on this topic, I think I was two or three months in a nofap. Mm. And there was like an aura around my head. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to the episode that you did with Vito. And, you know, the both the way that you talked about it was very like energized and like you were into it. You were. Yeah, you were definitely. Yeah, you were feeling, you know, yeah. kind of being on that journey. And at that point. I think that there was, you know, it's funny when you say when I talk about the guilt and the shame thing, I think there's a relationship there with porn. And I, and I guess what I'm what I, maybe I'm insinuating is that I don't know if I could actually watch porn without shame. Uh, I don't know if that's a possibility for me. Uh, it's weird, but 
Yeah. And that's it's interesting that you say that. I, I relate to that, that for me, when I watch porn, it's almost always not so much shame, but like definitely body image stuff comes up for me. Because oh, like the type of porn that I watch, you know, it's like, you know, the guys that look like Greek gods. And it's like, well, yeah. I'm never going to look like that. I'm never going to get anyone who looks like that. Until whole, I, oh, I spiral goodness. into the, the body image stuff. Oh, um, that's hard. Yeah. That's super hard. <laughs> And like I said before, it's not nearly as present as it was before, but mm-hmm. it's kind of led me to having a very, like a very kind of a, a moderated use of, of porn because it's like, well, if I'm going to feel like that, is that really self-soothing? Is that really fun if that's going to be my relationship with it? Yeah, um, that so, makes sense. Yeah, I, I have a much more kind of um, uh, kind of distant approach to porn than I used to. So, yeah. I'm in the middle of a bit of a binge. Okay. Okay. I appreciate your honesty. I'm super in the middle of a binge. And it, it's weird because I feel as though the self it's self-soothing. And I know I'm self-soothing. Okay. Maybe this is somewhat in service to me. I feel as though, and I might even be contradicting, you know, what the a lot of the people on the Reddit group say, but it's a method to feel a little bit better in a time where mm. if you looked around, there's a lot of things to be upset about. Mm. And so it's like a, an escape. I was going to use the word pleasant escape, but the way you're talking about it, I'm like, well, is it pleasant for you? I, I think it is, but it, it, it tends to devolve. Okay. So then it kind of starts out quite innocently. And then next thing you know, you need more novelty, more, more excitement. I'm almost at the point now where I, I, did, I was thinking about even just saying, to, on today's podcast saying, hey, I'm going to start my day one. Because to be truthful, here's the here's the interesting part about it, is I feel like I need it to get through the day, which sounds weird, but that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I feel almost like it's helping me get through the day. Yeah. Um, giving me something to enjoy. Um, but it also has this weird devolving aspect to it. But when I did no fat before, a lot of good things happen. So hmm. that's that might just be myself. It's obviously just one person's experience, but you know, it's been an ongoing process. So, you know, I went through phases where I took breaks, I went on phases where I had to go back to porn again. Now I'm in a place where I'm probably gonna be hopping off the porn train again. Mm. Um because you're not liking how it devolves for you. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, like it just gets it becomes almost like devious, which I don't think is and, and also, like, you're trying to look for the more extreme things. And then also, like, I think there's an ethical and moral boundary, which I'm crossing, which doesn't really resonate with me. Yeah. And that's so. that's a helpful question to ask yourself. Like, after you watch porn, and if those feelings of, of guilt come up for you or, like, you've crossed a boundary, is it like, well, is it the boundary that's a problem? Or is it like, no, like, this is a boundary I that really I don't want to cross and mm-hmm. you know I need to be careful of not crossing it again. Exactly. Exactly. And then that's the thing, right? Is when you have something that devolves, then yeah. it's a little hard not to. Yeah. Like you get in a habit of just constantly crossing that boundary. Sure. Uh, because you're just after all this um, exciting new things all the time, just all the time you want something new. And so you're just flashing images at yourself and videos at yourself all the time. And, um, Especially like for certain types of people, how they like to get off. I'm one of those people who, bit of a, maybe an overshare, but I like to drag it out. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you like to uh, extend the bubble. And I'll, I'll talk I, about the bubble in a second. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of gives you a little bit of a snapshot of my experience with, with pornography. I mean, it's talked about a little bit more on the last episode. So if you wanted to hear a little more about that on this episode one, uh, you can hear a little bit more about my experiences. But it started at a young age. Interestingly enough, though, segue, both me and Matthew. Yes. <laughs> loved the Sears catalog. The Sears catalog. Yeah, it was so funny when I was listening to the episode you did with Vito. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, I so relate to that. Obviously, looking at you know, they, you were looking at the women's section. I was looking at the men's it's section. Amazing. But it was all about the the Sears catalog because this again, this was pre-internet. This was you know, occasionally you might be able to sneak into a convenience store and look at the magazines, but really that that was tough. But like the the Sears magazine was just like, well, it's just there like it's so <laughs> scantily you, clad people <laughs> can you <laughs> that's great i love it i love it. i love it. that's like the funniest thing i didn't i did not expect that <laughs> you're like i i like the sears catalog too mm-hmm. don't they worry. did have a men's section said <laughs> so I, after you're, you're done um we're gonna have a complimentary uh gift to you oh jeez, that's that's flashbacks <laughs> Um, with some hand sanitizer and yeah. some Jergens. Yeah. So what is your experience with porn? Yeah. So for myself, like, you know, growing up as a gay teen who wasn't yet out of the closet until my last year of high school, you know, those first few years of adolescence, it was done. I mean, and I know that most people do their, you know, jerking off in porn secretively. You but you don't do it in public? You no, know, but, <laughs> but or, or like tell your parents about it. But like for me, it had like this extra kind of level of danger around it that if people saw the, the porn I was looking at, it's like, oh, well, that outs me. Right. Oh. And I hadn't even fully admitted to myself that, yet makes that I was gay. Yeah, of course. Even though I was looking at the men's wear, in the, like men's underwear in the Sears catalog. <laughs> like, uh, who was I fooling? But yeah, I wasn't out of the closet yet. So there is this. That's amazing. It's actually a, really interesting, though. I think, you know, I could imagine that there's a segment of the straight population that might not even understand that concept. Right, right. That because you always know who we are and it's always clear who we are. Right. Whereas like you have this almost identity break within yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's like if I if this gets out, I have to start accepting for myself that like, oh, okay, I'm not into women. Terrifying. What a trip. Yeah, it's it's it was a huge trip. So that was sort of my early relationship and then when I started getting into, you know, some pretty heavy drug use, drug use and porn and sex all got entangled with one another where mm. like I would use I primarily use stimulants. Yeah. Uh, cocaine, crystal meth, stuff like that. And uh, it was like all about, you know, hours and hours of watching porn and having guys over and hooking up and all of that stuff. And so for me, me watching porn would immediately make me want to use drugs. Um, oh. Like that that became the association. Like I could not, I could not watch porn and not think about getting high as well and, wow. and, up. and that whole body dysmorphia spiral I mentioned before. And so, oh, so, yeah, so the drugs would also help alleviate some of your insecurities. That- Absolutely. Like, I mean, stimulants, uh, at least in the short run, are, are great at boosting confidence and boosting sexual libido, um, lowering inhibition. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, that, that's like why I, yeah. I, I turned to them for sure. 
Uh, wow. Or at least one of the yeah, so, reasons. I, I imagine that must have been quite the hurdle to overcome later on. Yeah. So when I went into treatment, I went to a treatment center that specialized in uh, treating both drug and sex addiction. And their suggestion was that even after I leave the treatment center, to have at least six months away from hooking up and away from porn, basically to reset. So ba- because it was kind all of gave you NoFap in a way. Yeah, yeah. It was basically the treatment center said NoFap. <laughs> you know, before like NoFap was really a thing. a thing. Yeah, and that's common in. So you're in, like an early adopter of NoFap. Yeah, you're a I, grandfather. I, I you're actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's common in in people who seek sex addiction treatment is because. Like you said, like those uh, associations become so rigid that like, oh, I need to go to the next level mm-hmm. with uh, with my porn. Um, unless you take a break, it can be really hard to reset that, to disentangle okay. those associations. That makes sense. And to be honest with you. That's, I actually had a, pr- that, that was my experience a little bit of it, for sure. That it When I did NoFap, it okay. disentangled what was what. And yeah. it let me understand why I watched yeah. porn in the first place, yeah. which is pretty sobering, I guess. I, I mean, ironic. Right. Well, well, good choice of words. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, when you realize, when you look it back and you go, oh, this is why I did this. Yeah. Because it becomes so automated after a while. Yeah. 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 And you're not aware of why you're doing it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why when you know people talk about nofap or taking a break from like porn or, or hooking up, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing kind of lifetime commitment, which mm-hmm. I think sometimes is the way it's phrased. Okay. That, but if you're taking a break of several months mm-hmm. or a year, that is going to be enough to start to reprogram some of those associations mm-hmm. and then kind of more mindfully decide, okay, where do I want those boundaries to be mm-hmm. where it's not feeling so compulsive anymore, um, which I guess is like a form of a harm reduction approach. And like for myself, honestly, the benefits of not watching porn were so high that I went like way beyond those suggested six months, like way, way beyond, really? at least with porn, like ho- hooking up and, you know, I, I went to, back into dating and met yeah. my current husband and, and all that. But at least with porn, like that break was years, really. Wow. And even now, you know, I don't consider myself like, you know, on a, a nofap journey right now. I just mm-hmm. use quotey fingers and I just realize that, oh, people listening can't hear my quotey <laughs> fingers. I'm not on a quote, quote unquote, nofap journey right now. Um, but I, it's very infrequent that, that I watch porn. Mm-hmm. And when I do, I feel like it's relatively regulated. Like it's like I don't feel like it's out of control or I'm watching porn that like, oh, like I feel kind of guilt or shame yeah. afterwards. It's a lot more moderated now. But it took a like, yeah, it took a long time to get there. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah, right now, currently, you know, just being brutally honest, I mean, it starts off as like, ah, oh, just and then it just like devolves. And then two hours later, I'm still sitting there with my penis in my hand. Right, right, <laughs> right. Like hours are passing by. You're like, oh, like it feels good. We're gonna keep else. going. Yeah, we keep yeah. going. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So, well, is this a good segue to talking about like what being in the bubble means? Okay. Yeah. You're so kind of you've heard this there. term, and I think you could probably describe it better than I can. So you've you've said you've heard it in different arenas as well. Yes. So maybe go into that for us. Yeah. So in in Sex Addicts Anonymous, which is like the 12-step group that, you know, similar to Alcoholics Anonymous deals with alcohol, Sex Mm -hmm. Addicts Anonymous deals with compulsive sexuality. 
that's where they use this metaphor of being in the bubble, uh, where it's actually the anticipation and the fantasy that's exciting. And that when you actually come, of course, it feels good, but that all of the negative feelings that you were keeping outside of the bubble come flooding back in mm. and you feel guilty about how much time you've you've spent doing this. And yeah. like, oh, my God, like I'm a piece of shit for doing this again. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that bubble, it's like all that matters is you and the porn or you and cruising the bathhouse or yep. you and whatever that looks yeah, like. Yeah. Whatever the, 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 the hooking up. Compulsive like. sexuality. So then it's any kind of sexuality. Can be in the bubble, you mean? Is well, it can be like when you go to a sex sex uh, addicts anonymous. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so does porn even fall into that realm? Yeah. So there, there are so, people in sex addicts anonymous where it's like, yeah, it's it's porn is their main thing. Really? There. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was just curious because yeah. I, I because okay, like just just hear me out. You, you know sure. that there's a there's a scene in a movie where um someone says they're addicted to weed. Hmm. And yeah, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And, it's and like, someone oh, makes fun mm. of them, like, "Have you ever sucked dick for marijuana?" And, <laughs> and, and, and I feel like I'm going into my memory banks. No, no. <laughs> but, Not for marijuana. No. So, but hear me out. Like going into a sex addicts anonymous group and saying. I watch porn, mm. I think for some men, would feel like that. Yeah, absolutely. That there can be like this pecking order in terms of like, is my thing bad enough? Like yes, weed addiction. Yes, and yes, like, yes, We could yes. do a whole topic on marijuana because like, yeah, believe me, like marijuana addiction is absolutely a real thing. But I understand mm. that there's that kind of dismissive attitude around like, oh, it's just weed or, or it's just it's porn. Just porn. Uh, yeah. Now, when we're talking about, did you want to add anything else to the bubble concept? Hmm. I don't think so. Other than, you know, when somebody is in the bubble, that's when they have the least amount of control over kind of what they're doing. Like you're in fantasy land. You are just totally in that escape mode. And it's so hard for you to rationalize with yourself of like, oh, I should be actually getting to work now. Or even, even like this your, is the fifth hour of jer- jerking off. You know what I mean? Like you're, it, you're, you're not really thinking about that. Yeah. Even the way you look at reality, I think, shifts. Yeah, absolutely. I made some poor judgment calls in my life. <laughs> <laughs> about this when you're in the hot. This would be so hot. Yeah. And then like occasionally, you know, I receive things in my inbox and I go, hmm. That person's probably in the bubble. <laughs> and not outside of it. <laughs> Use your imagination. Hot dogs for breakfast, yeah. hot dogs for lunch. Yeah, And so it, it can have this, when the bubble bursts, like yeah. usually after you come, it can feel almost as though like that was like a separate person. Yeah, like what the hell even was that kind of thing? Like I can't believe I just did that. Totally. Um, I understand that. Yeah. And it's the... And I know it's hard, but the most that you can make your sexual behavior kind of congruent with your core values, the less of that disconnect you're going to feel. Yeah. Um, if you're able to, when you're not in the bubble, kind of set certain boundaries around like, okay, like there's just some things yeah. that I just can't do. Um, just levels. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're feeling like. Yeah. And I, I guess that's kind of where it gets into trying to, to disentangle underlying beliefs and all those kinds of things. And I think 
taking a break, like the concept of taking a break allows you to possibly reformulate a relationship yeah. with pornography that's healthy. Yeah. Because I know I've been through phases where it's been healthy. Yeah. I know that. Like, I, I know I go, okay, this is the line. I'm drawing the line here. This is where it is. I've tried different things. I tried paying for content because I wanted. To, I thought it would be a way of ethically sourcing porn. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're the people who are, you know, acting um, in it. Yeah. I wouldn't do any hardcore porn. It was all softcore. I played around with that before. And yeah, I mean, it just depends on the individual, I think. But well, even that you mentioned the distinction between softcore and hardcore, and and of course, like I, I understand what what you're talking about there. I think there's a lot of moral judgment around hardcore. Interesting, and, and okay. it depends. Okay, okay. It depends what we're I'm talking really about when it comes to to hardcore. That themes of dominance and submission are some of the most common sexual fantasies mm -hmm. out there. Totally. And, and I know that, of course, there's a spectrum in terms of like what kinds of dominance mm -hmm. and submission are well, we Well, that's the thing. It's all about, about like whether it's consensual. There's, there's different right. levels to that for sure. Right. But, you know, just because you're into, say, something like S&M or, uh, you know, people kind of role playing different kind of, you know, submissive themes yeah. or whatnot, like, I don't think that that's inherently a, a problem. That, I don't think so either. Yeah. That again, no. like as long as, you know, everybody's kind of on board with what's happening. It's, well, that's yeah. the thing. I played out those things in my life yeah. and it's been great Yeah, yeah. for all parties. Yeah. For yeah. all parties. Yeah. Yeah. So, it can be exciting for everyone involved. It can be but, super fun. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> as, as images images are yeah, fleeting so into my head. We're both kind of like, like going into flashback <laughs> mode. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm like, will not describe the memories going through my head. Yeah. We have this area. Okay, so we have some a little bit like some clear lines drawn out here. So we have, first off, I guess, uh, morally and ethically, if you're okay with it and you feel good about it, especially when you finish, then you're, you're saying that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I know it's more complicated when you're in a romantic relationship with somebody and if they have different values mm -hmm. around porn or non-monogamy or, you know, what have you that like then it becomes a negotiation. But I think as a society, we're almost taught to not even talk about that with our partners. Mm. <laughs> and then and then it's really in this kind of secret shameful zone. Interesting. OK, so I want to I want to play. Devil's advocate for a second. Sure. I'm someone who likes the porn I watch. I enjoy the porn I watch. Yeah. I don't feel bad afterward. Yeah. I do it every single night. Where Where do we draw the line? Like, when does that, because is that even an, an addiction? Well, hmm. what sorts How of. How do I know when it's an addiction? What, and okay, this opens up the. Well, I'm, I want to open yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where you're going with this because there, there's even a debate within the field of psychology whether sex and porn should be considered. Okay, this is awesome. Okay, yes, yes, Diagnoses or not. With any form of addiction, um, if you look at the DSM, which is like our fancy pants manual that has fancy all the pants official. Manual. Yes, that's its official name. That has all of the official <laughs> diagnoses uh, like major that's depressive the most disorder. Name ever. Yeah, PTSD. Fancy pants. Yeah. <laughs> Bipolar disorder, et cetera. Yeah. Um, there isn't sex addiction in really? there. Um, though there are the substance use really? ones. Yeah, yeah. It isn't in there. No, it's not in there because it's controversial whether it, uh, it whether or not that's the appropriate framing. It's not as though some psychologists are, are, and psychiatrists are arguing that, uh, you know, people don't struggle with 
uh, compulsive use of, of porn or sex. Like mm-hmm. that's not the debate. It's more around whether an official addiction, whether it's similar enough to substance addiction to class, if that's the appropriate label for it. Because as soon as you put something in a manual of mental disorders, yeah. it carries a lot of baggage with okay, it. Okay. And there's a risk of like if we prematurely make it into a disorder, it's like, well, now we're pathologizing human sexuality to to a degree. Ooh, um, I see. Which kind of gets into dicey territory. You know, something are we in a way unintentionally like recreating some of the religious stigma around, around sex? It, yeah. Whereas a great book for people who are interested in this is um, The Myth of Sexual Addiction by David Lay, uh, L-E-Y. Yes, his last name is great for a book on sex addiction, Lay. Um, don't say. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, his main concern with it is around whether it's going to heighten shame around sexuality, where he says, like, the last thing our society needs is more shame around sexuality. And it's actually the shame around sexuality that leads to people being compulsive. In their, okay. Okay. In their so I love this because I pulled up few threads. Sure. Okay. Some of the most popular threads, one of which I mentioned to you earlier uh, today. And this is on the Reddit. Right? This is on the NoFap Reddit. And I just wanted to, what I wanted to play around with is seeing as you're a professional, and this is what you deal with all the time, mm-hmm. what would your thoughts about some of these things being posted? Like, what are your thoughts about these things? Are they constructive? Are they helpful? Um, maybe just a quick, just yeah. get your thoughts. So one of the one of the ones that showed up, uh, the title is Daily Reminder, and it's on a one of those websites where you post questions. And one person says, why is porn, quote unquote, free, mm-hmm. question mark. And one person responded with, you pay with your soul. Yeah, that one really hit me when I heard it. Over 5,000 likes, yeah. like on the front page. Yeah. And and so the thing that I found a little bit disturbing about it is that it was very popular. Mm, that's interesting. That That, yeah, its popularity was kind of a flag to you of like, oh, what's going on here? A lot of people feeling a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. Yeah. Now, mind you, if you are veering into the land of I don't morally or ethically feel good about this, then this makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Or if you're having a feeling like it's uh, having sort of negative consequences in your life as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And what hit me about this is because I can absolutely relate to it with my struggles with drug addiction where – you know, I would have replaced, you know, the, the word porn in that sentence with Coke steals your soul or you pay for Coke with oh. your soul. You pay for meth with your soul. And it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, I, does that land for me? But it's but, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it also it also is kind of like, well, am I putting the emphasis in the wrong place a bit there that is it the substance itself or in this case, is it porn itself okay. that's the okay. issue or yeah. Is something else leading to the despair that you're feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I would be exploring with this person. That like, like, wow, that's a powerful statement you just made there. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, like, how you feel porn is taking your soul or you're paying with your soul. I think um, there's definitely an aspect to feeling like that when you, yeah. if, if, if it feels devious to you. Yeah. But yeah. one thing I also wanted to touch on, one little subtopic as well is that you can't actually overdose on porn. 
Yeah. So this is kind of going back to the debate as to whether or not it should be in the same kind of category as substance-based addiction because there mm. are differences. You know, one is that unlike substances, you can't take uh, a lethal dose of it. Can you take a lethal dose of weed? Oh, that's an interesting. <laughs> wow. I just This literally just yeah. popped up in my head. Interesting. I mean, so, it would certainly be incredibly just, challenging. I'm stretching your brain a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, gosh, could you eat so many weed cookies that you do, <laughs> you know, experience some sort of poisoning from it? Like, I guess, you know, I, it's feasible. Sure. Yeah. That one I would need to look into. I'm just curious. I, just, I just wanted to, like, equate it to something else and see what your thoughts were. Right. The other differences are when it comes to tolerance and withdrawal, which are really important in substance use. So mm-hmm. with tolerance, like, if you drink alcohol on a regular basis over yeah. time, you just will need more alcohol to get the same effect. Okay. Whereas with porn and sex, some people experience the whole what, what you talked about earlier with like needing to go to kind of like, you know, riskier and riskier sex or. Yeah, you know, just more. like more extreme or like. But that's actually not the majority uh, experience with porn. Most people actually like they have a niche that they kind of like and they're kind of good to go with that niche yeah. and they you know, fap off and go on with their day. Yeah. There isn't really this tolerance aspect to it the, the same way that uh, you commonly see it with substances. Really? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's an individual question depending on where you're at. Yeah. That's really – so because one, one, you know, from a metaphorical standpoint is I'm just going to drink a can of Coke before I go to bed. And the other one says – I'm going to drink another can and another can and another can because I'm not getting enough of the stimulation. Yeah. I'm not getting enough of the dopamine hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's and, two and very that's different ways, modalities of like ingesting, I guess, a, a chemical uh, trans, you know, transmitter basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So and it's based on addiction though. Like that concept, that pathway is an addictive like that is the the pathway, right? Like that is the danger dangerous pathway when you need more and more and more. Ab- absolutely, in order to to get that the same re- high, re- yeah, the same reward feeling. Yeah, but yeah, but what I'm saying is that for most people with porn and sex, is that it doesn't escalate. Interesting. Whereas if you use alcohol, coke, weed, any of those substances on a regular basis, it will escalate. Like it, it just like you're. Your body will metabolize it in such a way and your neurotransmitters That's will respond really in such a way that you just will uh, develop. It might take a long time, but you will develop tolerance to it. Um, inter- I almost <laughs> I want to disagree, but I mean, that's just my own experience. And, and hey, but- I'm, I'm throwing out the alternative because – you know, just to, for transparency, I'm actually on the fence. Like, oh, okay, I kind okay. of see both perspectives. And when I'm working with clients, I try to figure out what perspective is going to be most useful for them yeah. in terms of whether to use the addiction language or yeah. not. I'm going to block you on Twitter now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, so I'm just offering the alternate perspective because, yeah, it's like. It's just I, interesting. I, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. I, I wanted to. I, I was it's just interesting. It's very different than my experience. And I, I guess my argument for it is that I don't think that Reddit group would exist if it wasn't escalating behavior. Right. Yeah. That those people absolutely had In some way, shape or form. I mean, right. or they're right. in, a, in a romantic relationship and they can't get it up. Right. Something like that. Right. I, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so that and and that's why I'm kind of like I'm kind of wishy washy on that one. I'm like, okay, okay, maybe maybe tolerance doesn't look exactly like it does with substances, Mm -hmm. but there's still an seems to be some kind of relationship with with tolerance of like, yeah, if you're devoting all of your energy uh, and fantasy life to porn, it does make it difficult to get it up with. Uh, well, that's partners. something that's been happening in some of the younger generation yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and if it's OK, just as a, a brief aside, another problem that uh, David Lay has with the concept of sex addiction is how it was initially formed, too. So it was formed in the 1980s and 90s, primarily by this guy, Patrick Carnes, um, who, you know, I believe was doing his research mm-hmm. with the best of intentions. I'm not casting shade on on, on him. But the, the population that he was looking at were people in jail for violent sexual assault oh, and then forming his conceptualization of sex addiction about this tiny minority of men mm-hmm. engaging in non-consensual sex. And then it kind of got this concept of sex addiction got kind of like, you know, thrown out to the broader public. Oh, and I it's see. still like if you read his some of his literature, it's still very much steeped in this kind of like this almost assumption that yeah. it's going to go violent, that Start. it's going to go predatory kind of thing. Yeah. And the overwhelming. It's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, oh, it's so fascinating. Don't go there in terms of their actual behavior. Okay, and so maybe their thoughts, but not their behavior. Exactly, and there's a bit of a moral. <laughs> Revealing sorry, part I'm going, of myself I, here, but... <laughs> and I'm, I'm, go, I'm going on a bit of a rant here. Because, no, no, no. I, I think it's fine because both I'm... of us grew up in the 1990s, where there was some moral panic around video games and whether violent video games lead to like school shootings, for mm-hmm. example, like with Columbine. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a big, uh, a big thing. And actually, the research is no that. There's like no correlation there. Interesting. And so there's a similar moral panic around like, oh, people looking at S&M porn and, you know, oh, violent porn. That, that makes sense. They're going to become like sex predators and we need mm-hmm. to watch out for male sexuality. I actually and think like, like the opposite. Yeah. Well, that's just it. That there's like, actually, if anything, a little bit of evidence to the opposite where you're getting off to those fantasies in a kind of like a safe like yeah like an insular right you're not actually going out and and, and doing yeah, that to yeah, people. yeah 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 i guess it's a it's like almost a chicken and the egg situation yeah because i if if porn actually escalates then the fantasy could start off quite innocently and become yeah. a bigger thing if that's actually a thing yep or if it doesn't, then it's kind of, okay, well, it's insulated. You have this thing. You know, I'm really into, I don't know, consensual non-consent hype, for example. Yep. Uh, and you you play it out there or you find a partner and play it out. And you, and you at least become self-aware about those things or what you're yeah. into. Yeah. Uh, if you are in a relationship, my one piece of advice is to ask lots of questions. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and have that open dialogue. And I know that's yeah. incredibly vulnerable because it's like, what if we're not on the same page? And it's like, well, but okay, then you're but... just guessing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Otherwise, <laughs> you're just guessing. I hope you like this. Yeah, exactly. I hope you like this. Exactly. Or I guess I'll just never ever talk about or initiate this, and just never feel fulfilled. Then I just um, want to eat vanilla ice cream. Every single day. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with I, vanilla, but just, I do like me some other all flavors the vanilla, too. All the time. Yeah. Because we want to play it safe, Matthew. I like uh, I like a lot of nuts in my ice cream. 
And we're back to joking. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking. No. Yeah. Uh, here's a fun one. Here's a fun one. Uh, I got this one. This is this this one touches on something we talked about earlier. Also, five thousand likes in quotation marks. I don't want to be not happy anymore. Don't I just want to be happy. Okay. And then there, okay. then, a lot then of underneath in that sentence. yeah, okay. and then at the bottom, <laughs> it says then stop opening porn sites, dumbass. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so there's the double whammy. You have the yeah. shame. Yeah, and you judgment. also have, you also have, you know, I want to make myself feel better. Yeah, and the reference to happiness, I think, is speaks to the underlying undercurrent, which I think men are really horrible at self-reporting depression, anxiety. Correct. <laughs> so correct. we we end up in this weird situation where is it porn or is it depression, anxiety? Yeah, and that's what's leading to the hap- un- unhappiness, rather. And your porn is uh, an attempt to escape and get at least some temporary. Can I, can I mess with you a little bit? Excitement. Yeah. And then, and then, the darker part of me goes like this. Okay, just oh wow. wow. Okay, I'm, I'm going here. I'm going here. Okay, is it actually anxiety, anxiety, depression, or is that just a natural response to the way that the world is right now? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's getting again. This could be a whole podcast episode about what leads it's to anxiety trippy, right? and depression. Yeah. Yeah. It's trippy, yeah. but that's that's well, kind of yeah. where I go when I go real dark. Right, is I go, it, am I actually depressed or am I just having a natural human response to a world that's pretty unrelenting, merciless, difficult, and challenging for some people? And and I don't even have it as hard as a lot of people. Like yeah. imagine somebody who's listening to this podcast, yeah, could foreseeably live in a world that's much more difficult than mine. Right, much darker. Absolutely. And just with the with social media and 24-hour news cycle, we're just bombarded with those images of how it's difficult in a lot of ways for yeah. for, for for a lot of people. And so yeah, if you're yeah, if you're being exposed to that, as you said, you know, depression and anxiety can be an understandable, you know, response to yeah, to what you're viewing or what yeah. you're hearing. Yeah, especially well, I, if you don't have a space for people to validate all of your emotions. I mean, where do you absolutely, go? and you feel alone in it, like you're the only one who's seeing this. Yeah, I'm part of a Facebook men's group, and it's pretty amazing how many people will post something once in a while and say that they're totally suffering, completely alone. Yeah, and it happens more um, more often than I'm comfortable with. Yeah, it's it's really trippy, and I don't know if that's a Maybe this is a segue. I don't know if there's, if it's a straight versus gay thing, but I feel like in the gay community, there's a lot more openness with talking about emotions or talking about hardships. I'm not sure what the straight recovery community looks like as much because I live in the West End. I live in a, in a gay neighborhood sure. primarily. Yeah. Uh, but I do know that there is a place where if people want to get, I guess the best way of just just lo- unadulterated love from their community, they can. Yeah, I would say that there's absolutely something to that. When you look at communities that have faced hardship more generally, not just the mm-hmm. the gay community, but you know, uh, Jewish community, for example, or uh, recent immigrants, is that it almost forces them to band together That's and true. talk about what's going on. It's so very true. That's actually a really good point because I was yeah. at a at the. Persian uh, Iranian protest for Masa Amini. Yeah. And it was, I just wanted to hold space for the people that were there. And I just wanted to observe what was happening. And I watched so many people recognize another person in the crowd and say hello. Yeah. Because they hadn't seen them for a long time. Yeah. And there was parts of the protest that looked 
almost, I mean, obviously there's the undercurrent of rage and sadness, yep. but there was almost a celebration that everyone was doing it together. Right. There's a solidarity in that. Like, yeah, it's you know, very, very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I absolutely believe that exists in the gay community. Like kind of bringing it back to, to the community's relationship with porn and sex, again, because gay sex was so heavily stigmatized and mm -hmm. quite frankly illegal for a long time. Yeah. I'd say that, you know, most modern gay people, if anything, kind of flip to the opposite end of the spectrum where mm -hmm. it's kind of like no one is going to shame me for my sex. Like, you know, kind of like this yeah. anything goes kind of attitude, which has its benefits. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like it leads to like a hyper sexualization or like. A, Interesting. Yeah. That it's that sometimes okay, that, a pendulum can swing so I never far. Thought where it's of it like, that way. Well, That's can really we neat. can we talk about something? Other than sex at times, can no. we? <laughs> um, that the gay community, you know, because of this kind of like pushing back mm -hmm. um, at times. So there's not a solidarity the time, in some of the sexual things that are happening in the gay community because it's almost a rebellion of sorts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like keep any norms or cultural prejudices or narratives like off of my body and off of my sexuality, which can be incredibly liberating, but can feel hollow at the same time too. When yeah. if it's too much of an emphasis on promiscuous sex and yeah, no not talking about uh, any kind of like spiritual or emotional connection, like that kind of thing. Okay, that's that's really interesting. So I think that that description adequately also goes for people that were raised in a really religious household. Mm, okay, but they swing back harder. They swing sometimes. back harder, yeah, 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 because because basically, you know, you're not going to tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> and so once you open up the can of exciting worms, it's a really really exciting can of worms because there's a, a taboo around it. Yeah. So it's, it becomes a little more extreme. Now, it's not a societal-based thing. Like, so obviously, like, the struggles of the gay community are, are bigger <laughs> than a religious thing like this, I, I believe. But it, I think it's similar in concept. R right. To be able to do something that's kind of, quote, unquote, taboo, taboo or yeah, deviant or, yeah. or bad. Yeah, um, yeah. It's liberating. You know, right? Yeah, things you can't tell your parents about. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah guess, guess what, what I did. we did? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I hear. Better you. hide the bondage gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that it can feel liberating and like, hey, that can be a net positive for sure. Mm -hmm. But that it's still maybe okay to have kind of norms and boundaries around mm -hmm. sexuality and figure out kind of like what is the best fit for you because I've, I've talked to some gay men who almost feel pressured to be more promiscuous, whereas they are more, more monogamously inclined, where it's kind of like, That's oh, so, that's so interesting, I, because I've seen that myself too. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm more monogamously inclined as well. Mm. And so it's it's kind of like like attracts like. And, yeah. and, and sometimes I meet people from the gay community and they talk about like the hookup apps and different things. And, and, yeah. and it seems like what they're really interested in is just really having... Uh, either one person or like, you know, one person or one person that they would spend their most of their time with, like almost like um, like a poly situation, but like with one with, major pillar with and with depth to it as yeah. well that, you know, the hookup apps, you know, like, hey, it makes things convenient. Mm -hmm. But do I really want to have McDonald's all the time? 
Um, and that's kind of what I think of Grinder kind of really? as. It's kind of like, okay, you know, I can it's get my drive through and yeah, I'll, I'll get my, you know, Big Mac this time, maybe a quarter pounder tomorrow. But it's like, quarter pounder. Don't, don't, right? I, yeah. <laughs> don't I want, sometimes do I want like a steak instead? Half pounder. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, like something with a bit more kind of like depth to it. Like even if it isn't uh, like a long term monogamous relationship. Like, even if it is more like a friends with benefits situation, like those can have a certain amount of yeah. emotional depth to with, it With as well. communication and Absolutely. boundaries yeah. and respect yeah. for each other. Even even if like the, the quote unquote taboo thing is not quote unquote, you know, respectful, but it's discussed beforehand. I think there's a lot of area there that's fun yeah. to play in. Whereas I think the two largest societal narratives around sex and porn are either shame-based, don't do it unless you're in marriage, <laughs> yeah. don't ever talk about it, or fuck whoever you want don't let anybody kind of tell you anything um just like promiscuity all the way wow. like there's it's kind of like these two different camps and it's like well is there a possibility of a middle ground there? so so the middle ground <laughs> i think in some way shape or form we're almost i don't want to say arguing or 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 uh, promoting is to do the work to see if you have underlying mental health issues. Yep. Because that'll affect everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that'll impact your sex drive. That'll impact your confidence with uh, talking to uh, uh, potential sexual partners or romantic partners. Uh, it'll impact your romantic relationships if you are in one. Observing the impact of your influences when you were young yep. on your sexuality, yep. uh, what your belief systems you were, you know, yeah. if you're religious, you're not religious, if your parents shamed you in some way, shape, or form for having those kinds of things. Yeah. And then one thing specifically you mentioned is maybe just don't be afraid to take breaks. I mean, yeah. we both mentioned it. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be an all or nothing approach. And in fact, it likely will change over time as different things are important to you and that it's okay for it to change over time. Yeah. So I went all out. I actually didn't tell you the end of my NoFap story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go for it. Go for so it. So my life got a little bit better and I found, I, I found, I met, I met a, I met a lady. She's very nice. Very, very kind soul. Don't wish anything bad on her. Um, like some people do with their exes. But uh, when we had, you know, when we actually had sex the first time, because I had been doing NoFap for six or seven months, I just did not have control of my faculties the way mm -hmm. that I'm used to. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that one of the conclusions I came to was that I didn't want to be that disconnected from my sexuality ever again. Mm. So that's why I was starting to look for middle grounds. Now, the middle grounds are the hardest places to play. Absolutely. Because yeah. then you're also, you're kind of, you're kind of like the alcoholic who wants to go to the bar once in a while. Right. And become a social drinker. And some people can do that. Mm -hmm. And some people that goes disastrous. So that, that's kind of, <laughs> that is, that is really the, that's kind of where I'm at really. Yeah. And some days I go to the bar and I'm wasted and I'm gone. Like last, yeah. I don't know. It's been it's been a wild three weeks. Post the stupid ultra marathon I did. Ma I'm just se segue. <laughs> I think it. I think it actually affected my energy levels for a whole month afterward. 
I mean, likely. I mean, that's that was pretty hardcore <laughs> on your body. Like, like I'm just bouncing back, and uh, it's like my sex drive is up, <laughs> and my energy levels are up. Like, I literally wanted to take. Uh, I, I figured I wish I took blood tests because I wonder if my testosterone is just up in general. Hmm. Like, I'm just Possible. wired on life right now. Yeah. Yeah. So weird segue, but yeah, I just want to complain about that race again. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because I saw you. It wrecked you. I was wrecked. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have those three different factors. You know, don't be afraid to take breaks. Look at the societal and past factors of how you look at sex. Yeah. And don't be afraid to take care of your mental health. Yeah. And then the other piece that I'd like to bring up is, uh, like, if you are in a romantic relationship, because there's some studies that show uh, a connection between, you know, porn use and being dissatisfied in the relationship. And I think people jump to the false conclusion that porn use led to the... Oh, you saw the last podcast. We the, talked about yes, that. Yes, the, 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 the negative uh, uh, relationship. Yeah. Where it's usually actually that there's something else going on that's leading both to the porn use okay. and leading to the negative relationship. It's called a, a confounding variable to get all... Fancy pants statistics. Like um, and the, the confounding variable often is something like poor communication mm-hmm. in the relationship, okay. like not talking about sex openly and honestly. Yeah. And so then, you know, one or both people then go to porn use on the side because they're not talking about that sex. And then that has, you know, then it's impacting Interesting the that yeah. you said yeah. that because yeah. we had a conversation in the car. Hmm. And I was telling you about a confession I made to someone that was really close to me. Yes. And the, one of the reasons I went back to porn was because uh, there was judgment, un- and- underlying issues that were going on. And I was so frustrated that I went right to the porn. I see. It's kind of like you hit the fuck it button and it's like, well, I'm just going to do this now. Because I didn't, I was in a weird position where I didn't see the way out of it. Yeah. Messy. Yeah, it is messy. Super like, messy. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Which can be another danger in terms of, uh, again, like I'm agnostic on this, but it, it can be another danger in framing it as an addiction. Because sometimes when I see clients frame a struggle as an addiction, it kind of leads to this response of like, well, I guess I'm an addict and I guess like, I, I guess I just got to act out. Like, this I, is I a, no yeah, it's a powerless. To, like, right. Yeah. It's interesting because I think that it could be all those things. Sure. So <laughs> yeah. when you look at humans... One thing I was thinking about for the last week that I wanted to introduce a little bit more in the podcast is this concept of nuance and alternative truths being paradoxical for different people, but being real and true for both of them. Right. Yeah. That different people can have different experiences, basically. And (laughs) but also like the way we view certain people when we look at some a group of people, for instance, or we, we, we label a group of people. That's a massive oversimplification, like especially yeah. when we talk about social media and things like that. I just think it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and to like actually think to ourselves that there are people that paradoxically will make no sense to us whatsoever because we like to kind of recreate a reality based our, on our own experiences. Right. And it's hard to understand that people can operate in extremely different ways, but that it kind of works for them. Yeah. Or even if it doesn't work for them, like who am I to say, you know, like kind of like jump in there and be like, this isn't working for you. Yeah. Like, unless they're, you, know, you might be very, very help. surprised yeah. about 
just how complex people are. And I wish yeah. we didn't oversimplify all the time. Yeah. Because I think it would be helpful for society. Yeah. And this is true of porn use, too. That, like, you know, so often as we're on our way here, kind of talking about the topic, we're like, oh, wow, this, like, this is messy. This it's is so tricky. messy. I didn't want this to is... even use the word messy because <laughs> I wanted to give <laughs> listeners some tangible things to think about. Right. Yeah. That's not neither go masturbate all the time. Or you must do NoFap because I just think that there's got to be exactly. nuance in this discussion. Exactly. And instead, asking yourself those questions around mental health, around cultural or family narratives, uh, around your partner's reaction and what communication's like in your relationship, like all of that, all of that stuff. One of the reasons I was encouraging people to try to take a break is because I think that I mask my depression with porn use. Okay. Yeah, that's the way that, that you find uh, like, your escape. It gives your... me like a chemical hit and yeah. makes you feel a little bit better. Yeah. Like I, I was talking about last on last podcast how I feel like I probably have low-level depression. Mm. And I, I, I still probably should go to the doctor for that. Mm. <laughs> but I, but I, but what I'm trying to say is that when I went off of porn, it really highlighted why it exists in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the purpose that it's it's serving. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you yeah. know, it's a it's an exploratory process and it's not comfortable. Yeah. And for all the people that are doing NoFap right now, I, I hope that you're getting what you want out of it. Yeah. And super quick, because I this, think this is something that we've kind of hinted at throughout the podcast, yeah. but maybe not said explicitly. When something kind of crosses the line from, say, like a quote unquote bad habit to an addiction, it's about the negative consequences it's having in your life mm -hmm. that, you know, tons of people drink on a daily basis and, yeah. you know, seem to not really have many negative consequences from it. Like, I don't relate to that. Like, I was <laughs> I was a mess See, when it's... it came to alcohol. Oh, it's but, a slippery slope. But, but some, some people can without, you know, kind of mm -hmm. negative consequences on their health or their interpersonal relationships. And so asking yourself, like, OK, what are the actual negative consequences here? Is it that it's making me avoid doing other things that I probably should be doing? Mm -hmm. uh, is it leaving me with that feeling like I've crossed a line in my own values? Can is I it... can I like play a little game though? Yeah. So, you know, I I really was a, I'm a big fan. I, I I I modulate because I think that sometimes I'm a big fan of positive psychology, but sometimes I think it modulates or like it almost gets to the point where it sounds like toxic positivity. Now, I know addiction, you know, we talk about when it, how it has a negative effect and that becomes an addiction. Yeah. But what if the thing that you're doing takes you away from positive things you could be doing? Absolutely. That, yeah, that, that, yeah, so that's, absolutely. That's, the, is, that's kind of the crux of it, right? Right. Is, yeah. That, 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 that itself it's is a negative consequence in a way. Good doesn't mean it's necessarily the best. True. But does everything – okay, this may be getting too <laughs> philosophical. Do things always need to be the best? If I'm like quickly rubbing one out to you know, help self-soothe and kind of put myself in a better mood, it's like, well, okay. There's probably other things I could have been doing better than that. But eh, like it wasn't you know, super hard. I was going to play like totally devil's advocate yeah. here. <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> You have to be doing the best all the time. <laughs> you have to be a model citizen. Yeah. You have to work 12 hours a day, sleep eight hours a day, be a perfect husband, be a perfect everything. 
that's the. Okay, I'm gonna go jerk off right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did it make you yeah, uncomfortable? Yeah, 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 yeah. The dad, shame spiral. Dad, dad stop that's my dad. Me. <laughs> you. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting. No, that's it because that's also a take that would come from my background. Right. It, is yeah. is could you be doing more? Is something that if you come from a place of a lack of self-esteem or a lack of never feeling you're good enough, it's really easy to go to that place. And, and to know where to draw the line is really hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Total segue. But Absol- absolutely. Jeez. And it's interesting that you, you brought up positive psychology. That, oh, God, that could be yeah, That's a another whole thing. podcast. Because the way that positive psychology has been kind of warped through social media is, yeah. as you put it, is kind of like this, almost like, well, just think on the bright side of things and just try to be more optimistic. Yeah. It's like, that's not what actual positive psychology is. Actual positive psychology is about a more kind of like leaning into your strengths, a strength-based approach, Mm -hmm. what equates to human wellness and flourishing, whereas traditional psychology is more interested in defining disorders. Exactly, exactly. Which is is why I wanted to bring up the topic of flourishing versus... Right, yep, and that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Getting by. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're getting by, you're paying taxes, you're making money, but you're not really moving forward in a way that's... I mean, I would hope that everyone has something that they do that's meaningful and yep. brings them happiness and yep. brings them joy. Whether that's through social relationships, whether that is through work or Or maybe what you do out of whatever. work, right? Yeah, totally. So, Hobbies, like whatever it is. Something that brings them a sense of kind of flourishing. I hope to God we did not confuse you. Probably. All of you listeners. Because it's a confusing topic. <laughs> In yeah, so ways. just, just yeah. take four weeks off. Let's, yeah, th- there we go. There, it's no big there's... deal. It's no big deal. Just see what happens. Uh, Do I make today day one? Is this like a thing? Uh, that's not up to me to decide for you. But I'm, I'm hearing I feel like it'd your be comments. Fun. I, mean, I feel like it'd be fun. That, like I come back in two weeks and be like, Matthew, I started a multi-million dollar company in the last yeah. seven years. <laughs> and I wrote a book. <laughs> and I'm getting married next week. I'm getting and... married. And, 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 and. Oh my God! No, Fab is the most greatest thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> results may vary. <laughs> but I am hearing through this podcast, and like this was just a good reminder for myself as well. Is that like uh, <laughs> that? Like even though I don't want to pathologize porn use, um, that overall I'm in a better mental space when I'm like either not partaking at all, or mm-hmm. I'm like limiting my consumption. That, totally. That it, it does, yeah. I do feel better <laughs> overall. Uh, yeah, it's tricky. Matthew, I'm curious. Do you have any bad therapy advice? Yeah. So we, we're we going to trial run this. We, we did it last. Yeah, yeah we, we did, did it last session as well. We're going to trial run what would be shitty therapeutic advice here. Yeah. Oh, I, this is easy. Yeah, yeah this, this one's easy because there's a lot of shitty things that you could say about <laughs> sex and porn use. If it feels good. It's Beware. bad. <laughs> See, either either of those oh, are that's terrible, amazing. right? Yeah. If it feels good, it must be shameful or sinful is bad therapeutic advice. Matthew. But if it feels good, do it. Could Nike, also be terrible. Just do it. <laughs> if they say yes, yeah. if they like you, remember, yeah. that is your equation of self-worth. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. Been there. Literally been there. Oh, yeah. Done that. Oh, my God. When I was, like, in my 20s, little segue. I mean, we've had a couple segues today. But when I was in my 20s, when a woman said that she was into me, like, that was, like, everything to me. 
Absolutely. When say, like likewise, like especially with the body dysmorphia stuff that I, I mentioned, that somebody showing even the remotest sexual interest, yeah. or romantic interest in me, holy shit, was it like a cocaine hit? Like wow. Like, we're right back to good advice again. This is yeah, bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> well, and, and maybe one more little <laughs> bit of good advice before before we finish. Oh, you're so nice. Because like you you bring you you benevolent creature. You, yeah, you, you we can't leave on this on, de- on a negative can't. note. But you prompted me to think more about positive psychology, and I try to bring that into my discussion with my clients about as opposed to focusing on what's not working with sex or sexuality, it's like, what is your ideal and how can I help you aim for it? Like, Mm -hmm. what would meaningful, happy, healthy sexuality look like for you? Mm Because we spend so much time talking about, like, the issues of porn or the issues we have around sex. And understandably so, that's important to hash out too. But it's like, what is our chosen ideal that we want to aim for? Yeah. I have a friend who's very successful, um, and he said really good advice. He said, if you really want to make something clear, you write it down. Mm, yep. And you make that like as crystal clear as possible, because the more clear you can be about what you're after, the easier it is to get after it. But if yeah. you're not clear about what you want. You're just going to kind of stumble around. Yeah, you're just going to flounder. Yeah, so yeah. Cool. Well, I hope listeners... You got something out of this one. It was a little bit different than the first two that we did because I think it's a little bit more of a nuanced conversation. Yeah. And I, I hope that you could take something out of this to apply to your own personal lives. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, we will be putting that up, our email on the summary page. And I'm Sebastian. And Thank- I'm Matthew. And... We are Men's Junk. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful morning, lunch, afternoon, evening, whatever time it is. (laughs) And we will talk to you later. Take care for now.